Angus Robertson is seeking the SNP nomination for Edinburgh Central for the SNP. The Scottish parliamentary elections are due to take place in May 2021. So we sat down with him to find out what he wanted to do if he becomes the nominee and perhaps the MSP for Edinburgh Central next year. This is the Edinburgh Reporter podcast and this morning I'm with Angus Robertson. Angus, uh, why are you here? Uh, I'm here because I was invited to be here, so thank you very much for that. Uh, I am guessing that the reason that um, I'm here is because I'm seeking the uh, SNP nomination to become the SNP candidate in Edinburgh Central for the Scottish Parliament elections next year. That's in May 2021. That's in May 21, but because of the way these things work, political parties have a whole process of trying to select candidates in good time. SNP is a very democratic party, so that involves all the members. In Edinburgh Central, there are about 1,200 SNP members. And so we have um, the formal nomination process starts in mid-April. And I thought that it would make sense for uh, me to confirm that I am seeking the nomination in good time so that members could hear what I had to say, consider whether they think I would be a worthy nominee, and then um, take it from there. After the nomination process, um, nominees then um, have time to seek to persuade uh, the members to... To, to select you and then if one is successful you then are the designated candidate and then it's a wider um, campaign uh, amongst uh, the different uh, communities that make up Edinburgh Central. And so when do the members actually choose the candidate? When will the members actually choose the candidate for this seat? Ballots would be sent out um, in June and uh, the uh, result would be confirmed at the beginning of July is the timetable that's been worked on. And then your um, election campaign, if you are successful, of course, would then start. It's pretty well known, I think, that to get the SNP candidacy, you are, or to become the SNP nominee, you have some competition. So looking at it from the public perspective, um, there's you and now there's Joanna Cherry have both said we want to be the MSP for Edinburgh Central. Looking from the outside in, is this just a veiled attempt by one or both of you uh, to become the leader of the SNP? My uh, plan uh, is uh, Glad you have a plan. I do, have, I do have a plan. Um, my plan and my focus is to become the MSP for, for Edinburgh Central, and that's that's the focus of my efforts, uh, rather than it being part of a sort of wider agenda for uh, for political office. I mean, there are a number of things that should be said in discussing this sort of thing, which is, firstly, I'm a believer that if one aspires to be a public representative, to, to represent a, a part of the country, your, your priority is actually for the constituents, for the people that you're seeking to elect you, and for you then to work for them. Mm-hmm. Point one. Point two, given that I've, I've been in politics for, for quite a long time, I have served as a parliamentarian for uh, the guts of two decades at Westminster, and I have held high office. I was a Westminster SNP leader. I was the deputy leader of, of the SNP. 
uh, to Nicola Sturgeon for over the over a period involving three years, and so I understand the the difference between uh, the focus for a constituency having wider um, party political responsibility and having leadership responsibility in in, in a party, and so I've, I've I've done that, and I've done that at Westminster, and I'm in a position now that I don't hold public office. Uh, I think I have something to offer, not least for me, and this is quite important personally, because this is where I'm from, and um, I'm uh, hugely excited by the prospect of running for office to represent the place that is is most familiar to me. Um, I, I grew up in Stockbridge, I went to Broughton High School, um, my first jobs uh, were in the centre of Edinburgh. Uh, it's where I've come back to. It's um, uh, Edinburgh is where I live. Uh, I know the different communities of, of Edinburgh Central, and I really think I have something to offer. So that's where my focus actually is, as opposed to any sort of wider interpretation of, of ambitions for um, for political office. My ambition is to become the SNP nominee uh, and to then run and then hopefully to win because, well, there's two things about this. I mean, one, one should never take for granted the notion that one would ever be elected in the first place. You actually have to ask the voters uh, whether they would wish you to be their representative. So I'm not getting ahead of that, certainly not. And secondly, there's a wider point in this. I have never been elected to Holyrood before. And there are very talented people in the Scottish Parliament, in the SNP and in other parties too, Going winding back a wee bit, we'll maybe come back to what you would hope to do at Holyrood um, later on in the conversation. But winding back a wee bit, you've um, rightly given a, us a little um, potted history of uh, of your own personal history and also your parliamentary history. But um, can I be devil's advocate and say that when you were trying to be the MP for Murray? Um, were you not telling them that uh, you know you really knew about the area, and was did you not have the same kind of arguments? And how on earth did you become the MP for Murray when yeah. you when you had an Edinburgh background? Yeah. So tell me a <coughs> well, little more about that part. So I I became active in politics as a uh, as a as a school kid, and um, at a time when the SNP was very far away from where it is now. Um, it was a fourth place party, it was polling um, in, in the, the low double digits, it had only two MPs and the, the notion that the SNP would be the leading political party of the country, that there would be a Scottish Parliament, that we would have had a referendum on independence, that the SNP would be polling at around 45% which makes it amongst the most popular political parties anywhere in Western Europe. The idea that you would expect that in your lifetime was so far away from any reality. So when I uh, decided that I wanted to take a, a run at elected office, it was after a career that I'd had in journalism. Um, I, was, uh, I worked in Vienna for 10 years and returned to Scotland at the time of the Scottish Parliament uh, being re-established. And I, very much a sort of outsider, obviously returning to Scotland, and uh, sought uh, to be selected uh, as a candidate for the '99 Scottish Parliament election, and was selected in Midlothian, uh, where 
uh, I think the SNP for a creditable uh, campaign, um, uh, but I came in second, so I wasn't elected in '99, and I still wanted to um, be part of this emerging Scottish democracy that there was after the 99 Scottish Parliament elections. And so the next opportunity to try and seek election was in the 2001 Westminster election. And given at that time the SNP wasn't doing as well as it is now, the best realistic option of being uh, selected and elected was in a seat that had been held by the SNP. Which is why I looked at those constituencies with the best prospect of being uh, elected and, uh, and I was I was selected in, in Murray, a, a constituency I did not come from. I had family connections there but uh, you know that, that, that wasn't and it should never be a reason why people mm -hmm. think you're the best qualified to, mm. um, to be elected, it should be about your ideas. Well, and then you've just said that you're the best best for this constituency because you know it. So. Well, I think um, in, a, in a way, uh, and I know you're being devil's advocate with it, I think there's there's sort of double bubble in all of that because not only do, do I have a personal connection in that I do come from Edinburgh Central, but I think that what the SNP is trying to do uh, is uh, the, the best prospectus for people living here. And I think that's the best combination that one one can have. So just to finish off on the elsewhere in the in the country, I'm really pleased to have had the opportunity to represent a beautiful part of the north of Scotland that I do know very well and I'm very fond of. But I'm now I'm back in Edinburgh and this is where I live. And uh, because I don't hold elected office, but uh, would love to have the opportunity to experience the Scottish Parliament. And, and contribute to, to what's happening in, in Scotland in the years ahead. It just seems such an obvious opportunity uh, to try and do that in the place that I'm from. So a couple of years ago, Angus, I met you at the, um, the premiere evening up at Edinburgh Castle of Mary Queen of Scots. And I clearly recall saying to you then, you possibly don't remember this because I was on the press line, but uh, I said to you, so are you here to stage a coup? And you just you dismissed that out of hand. But it seems to me that you are, um, you know, wanting to get back into politics and wanting to get back into politics here. And this seat um, was won by Ruth Davidson last time for the Tories with um, a margin of about 610 votes. Previously was held by Marco Biaggi for the SNP. And prior to that, um, Sarah Boyack held it for a number of years for Labour. Um, so, so what would you hope to do um, here in Edinburgh, and and I guess in Edinburgh Central, and I guess what um, what is it about the, the the Scottish Parliament moving forward that you think will be kind of an exciting place to be? And is it all about independence, or is none of it about independence? And perhaps give me a flavour of what you're your thinking is. I mean, Edinburgh Central is um, fairly unique, I suppose, with uh, with it being the, the the Scottish parliamentary constituency rather than the Westminster constituency, which splinters the, the Edinburgh Central uh, area. So, 
you know, what are you, what are you going to try to do here? Well, the first thing I want to do is be a good MSP for people living in Edinburgh Central. And I think, unfortunately, that is not an experience that people here have had for a number of years. Mm. And that's because the current incumbent, I don't think, ever expected to be elected as, a, as a, the MSP for Edinburgh Central and has been pretty absent, uh, absent from uh, community issues and organisations that matter to people, uh, has not been holding... Uh, open public surgery. She may have been doing uh, them in private, but I think in this day and age we still need to find ways in which the public can literally walk into their local library, meet their public representative and ask for their help. And so I'm very clearly focused on, on a commitment that I want to uh, reinstate uh, that uh, level of commitment to constituents in Edinburgh Central. So regardless of how they vote, whether they're SNP voters or not, MSP should be there to work for everybody, whether they vote for your party, another party, or don't vote at all. And I, I would want to, to, to make that my absolute number one, one priority, to be a good constituency MSP. There are other uh, wider issues for Edinburgh Central and for Edinburgh as a capital city, which I think need a strong voice. And you're right to point out that Edinburgh Central is only represented uh, as um, a contiguous uh, constituency in the Scottish Parliament, it isn't at Westminster. And I think there's a need to try and uh, uh, grasp the nettle of a number of issues that are facing Edinburgh Central, but Edinburgh more widely, uh, which I think matter to people. And these are very publicly discussed and debated issues about the kind of city that we are, the kind of city that we are becoming. I think there are some very strategic developments which are going ahead, which I welcome. That's in relation to um, the uh, the transportation uh, changes that need to happen in the city as we, we deal with the climate crisis that we're in. About the economy of the city, we're facing a very big challenge because of Brexit, which of course Edinburgh voted overwhelmingly against, but we are currently represented by somebody whose party is in favour of that. Another reason why we need somebody new in, in Edinburgh Central will actually speak up for the views of, of people who live here. And uh, beyond that, I, I, I would like to uh, be a part of all of those debates and bring together the, the, the different people who are and the organisations who are part of that changing backdrop in Edinburgh on transportation, on the economy, on tourism, uh, on uh, housing, on there's a full range of issues. I could go on. There's many more, um, but I think there's all uh, almost a uh, a gap between many of the different um, public, private, third sector bodies. Uh, who are trying to make Edinburgh the best city that we know it can be. And then just a last thought, and it's a curious one because I, I, I don't understand why this has not been a, a, a bigger theme given that we have been debating Scotland's constitutional future for quite quite a while now, which is if, Edinburgh come, if, if Scotland becomes independent, which I believe it will, and Edinburgh is its capital as it is, then Edinburgh Central and Edinburgh itself will be the capital city of a sovereign state and what that will mean for Edinburgh, in my, to my thinking, will be hugely beneficial. Uh, it will bring jobs, it will bring people from other countries, we will actually have a, uh, a full diplomatic presence uh, in the city, it will improve our transport connections, it will be transformational, I think, for Edinburgh. And I don't think that that's something that we've had much discussion of in Edinburgh, and I would like to be a part of, of that happening as we move towards independence.
I've certainly never really heard anybody discuss that. You're absolutely correct to say that. That's, uh, you know, at, at the city chambers, for example, one hears an awful lot about, we've heard a lot about tourist tax, we've heard a lot about the uh, city mobility plan, which is out for consultation just now, the city plan, which is also out for consultation just now. So um, these local um, issues, and I hear what you're saying, that, that could be a, uh, we could be a much bigger, much more important city uh, given independence. Um, the, all of these things are indeed being uh, mooted and discussed, but I haven't ever heard them discussed in, 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 that, in that context. So, uh, you know, you are a member of the SNP. Um, one has to assume that you would like Scotland to become independent, and uh, I know that that's your belief. I'm uh, joking with you here. Um, so, you know, how, how would that look? How would it happen? Where's the economic? Uh, we, we heard before that it was the economics that it fell down on. So, um, you know, what's your, what's your own view of, uh, of why independence would be a good thing for Scotland rather than just for Edinburgh? Well, I, I think if one looks at uh, how our neighbouring countries have dealt with the challenges that many of us have faced um, looking back to the 2008 financial crisis, uh, if we, we look at those countries around us who are all smaller, from Denmark to Norway to Iceland to Ireland, mm -hmm. uh, and indeed in the UK we, we had to deal with a lot of financial pain and austerity in the meantime, but I think it's, it's noteworthy, in fact, it's much more than that. I think we, we need to acknowledge that every single one of these other countries is more economically uh, successful than Scotland is as a part of the UK. And that should uh, teach us something, which is that if you're able to make decisions closer to home and you have the resources, human, material and otherwise, as we do, as they do too, they've been able to have uh, been much more successful. And um, they haven't um, put themselves through the economic self-harm as is happening to us at the present time with Brexit, which of course we, we in, in Scotland in general and Edinburgh in particular voted against. Now, if people believe that it's a better idea for people that we haven't elected to make decisions on our behalf, and we are governed now as we have been since 1955 by a party that has not won a single election in Scotland, we need to reflect on the fact that this is not normal. And uh, carrying on like this is just not sustainable. Now, I know how I would like the direction that, that we, we should go in, which is we should become an independent country within the European Union, which I, I believe would bring great benefits to people in, in Edinburgh and restore their citizenship rights and many other things. Um, but I think we should embrace the opportunity uh, and uh, the advantages that it brings of making decisions closer to home. Are there disadvantages? Yeah. One is responsible, which means that if you make mistakes, they're your own mistakes and you have to own them, you have to uh, learn from them and you have to do better as a result of them. But that's what our neighbours have done and they have managed it much more successfully than our current system where on the big, biggest issues of our economy uh, and the governing of the state which happens at Westminster, it is by people we have not elected making suboptimal decisions for us. Do you miss being at Westminster? I mean, you were obviously very, uh, very much a public figure when you were uh, at Westminster because, um, as leader, um, you know, you 
you were the person who was standing up on the SNP benches and taking on the government of the day. Um, is, that, is that a loss for you? Well, I, I miss people, and uh, I miss people uh, who I used to work with when I lived elsewhere, and I'm, I'm, I miss Speyside, where I've spent um, a lot of happy uh, years. And when I look back at my time in politics in Westminster, it was a time, it was a place. I uh, had great opportunities as the leader of the third largest parties. The SNP became uh, this, this much bigger political presence. And to be able to lead the SNP there at that time, to do Prime Minister's questions every week, first with David Cameron and, and, and then Theresa May, that was an amazing opportunity. Um, I'm a kind of... I'm an, I'm an ecumenical politician in as much as I like people and if they are good people in other parties and they're people I can work with, then I will do that. I'm, I'm, not, uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sort of clannish that, um, uh, that I you know, dislike people just because they, they play for a different team. And th that is a reason why I miss... Um, I miss... Uh, um, being in an environment that where I spend a lot of time, and I'm not I'm not just talking about people in the chamber of the House of Commons. There are when you work in a place like that, mm. you get to know lots of people very well, not least the staff. Mm. And uh, from one day to the next, as was my my uh, case of not being re-elected, you're suddenly not yeah. able to see people that you would see every week. And I do I do miss that. It's a very cruel world, this politics, isn't it? It's, it's uh, uh, some, somebody once described it's a, it's a contact sport, but it's more than that because it's um, people can work very hard and do a good, good job and, uh, and then from one day to the next um, are unable to continue doing that. And I think I appreciate that now in a way that I didn't before. And uh, I also appreciate that people of different political parties uh, work just as hard as, um, mm. uh, as people in your own um, for the best way they think uh, to, to bring the country forward. And I think I'm much more appreciative on a human level uh, when people uh, have found themselves no longer uh, able to do what they were very committed to doing before. But you just got to dust yourself down and realise that, that it's also the same for people in in all walks of life that you can find yourself um, without the job that you previously had or you make a decision and you, you, you're in a change of circumstances and that is my own and um, uh, I, I did whatever it was 16, 17 years at Westminster there's not there's not much different that I could do down there having had so much experience and, and been there for such a long time that that is Another reason why I'm able to look at the, the, the possibility of, of nomination and, and running for office in Edinburgh Central uh, with um, huge enthusiasm, because I'm not having to, to do mm. something else. Uh, I, at present time, I run a polling and research organisation that's trying to understand people's changing views on Scotland's future called Progress Scotland. Any listeners interested can find it on the web, www.progressscotland.org. Feel free to subscribe. <laughs> um, we may have to charge you for that piece of advertising. That's right. Uh, other, other research organisations are available. Um, but we're trying to understand why people's views are changing on Scotland's future. And that is particularly relevant, I think, in Edinburgh, even more so in Edinburgh Central, why do I say that? Well, Edinburgh has an, an over-representation of a number of societal groups in relation to the rest of Scotland. So, for example, it is a higher than national average uh, of people, uh, of residents, who have come from elsewhere in the UK. 
so myself included, I was born in London, so I, I guess I'm, I'm English by birth, so I, I would I count as being part of that. But So we have a lot of people who've moved here from elsewhere in the UK, many of them who work in the financial services se sector, 10% uh, of Scotland, of Edinburgh's jobs be, being in that sector. So very important group. We have a very uh, high percentage of European Union citizens who live in, in Edinburgh and in particular in, in Edinburgh Central. That's of huge relevance given what's happening in Brexit. We also have a significant international community that live here. There's obvious focus for for the international community in the likes of Edinburgh University, Area Watt University, Napier University, such like. And where that is also relevant, and the penny hasn't dropped for some people on, on this, is that these people are going to be as entitled to vote in the Scottish Parliament elections as others. So if you're a citizen of the United States, or Norway, you will be able to vote in the Scottish Parliament elections next year, just as well as European Union citizens will be entitled, just as Irish uh, citizens will be entitled to vote, just as uh, will UK um, citizens. And that's not the case for Westminster Parliament. No, but it's also it has not been the case for the Scottish Parliament thus far, because it's only a piece of legislation that, that went through Holyrood very recently that uh, widens a franchise uh, to internationalise the the right to vote in, in Scotland. Now, I think that is tremendously exciting. I think that's a great way of building uh, social cohesion. But I think it, it also uh, will behove people seeking public office, especially in Edinburgh Central, to say, well, what are you going to do for everybody who lives here, regardless of where we come from? And it's one of the reasons why I, I love Edinburgh Central, is it is, is such a mixture. It's such a mixture of different geographical communities, um, of um, communities by background, um, of, uh, of different life circumstances. We Edinburgh Central has amongst um, the biggest divergence of social income, for example. And so the experiences that, that people might have living in lower income parts of Edinburgh Central um, uh, will throw up issues which are profoundly important to them that aren't for other people. So an example of that is what is happening at the moment in, in Dumby Dykes in relation to their bus service. Mm. Now some people might say, well a bus service, that can't be that important, can it? Well for some people it's it an is. absolutely <laughs> lifeline mm. service. Uh, you know, which is why Lothian Buses really needs to look at a solution for this because just cutting and leaving these people adrift is, 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 is not sensible or responsible. But my point here is having an, an awareness of all of the different parts of, of Edinburgh Central you know, which goes from everywhere, from the old town to the new town, through Stockbridge, through to Cumley Bank, through to Murrayfield, um, back through uh, uh, Gorgie and Dalry, and 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 back towards uh, the old town. You know, this is the heart of uh, of Scotland's capital city, with very diverse communities, but a place that we all share. And I think it deserves to have the best representation that it can with a strategic understanding of the challenges that it faces, but also the opportunities that we can we can make for the city, but also the country. And that's why I think an SNP MSP representing Edinburgh Central is uh, the best outcome of the Scottish Parliament elections. I think given my background, but also my commitment in the meantime to be a full-time candidate, because 
uh, as you yourself pointed out, Edinburgh Central is a marginal seat. Tories won it with a 610 vote majority in the last election. Marco Biaggi for the SNP in the election before, I think it was by, you know, it was just under 300 votes. So the idea that you could just be selected and then somehow think that you're going to be miraculously elected without really having to work very, very hard is for the birds for anybody from any party, which is why I'm, I'm, I've am I'm said from the outset that I, I'm committed, if, if selected, to, to doing just that, working extremely hard, being a full-time candidate, to, to make sure that all the voters of Edinburgh Central know that I would continue in the way that I have started, which is to, to put in all of the effort that's required to to gain their trust and their votes. Fingers crossed. One thing I wanted to ask you about, and this is, you know, the, we're, we're a few steps away from you being elected as an MSP here, Angus, you've said that yourself. Is there anything in Holyrood right now today that you think, no, actually that really needs changed or it could be done better? Well, I think the one thing that we're seeing, um, the, the warning lights, on at the moment is the recent confirmation by a number of younger female members of the Scottish Parliament that they're not, they're not standing again. Mm-hmm. And the reasons why they are standing down are connected. They have said because of the challenge that they have in balancing family commitments with uh, elected office is uh, is something that they've, they've had to um, uh, they've had to try and balance being very difficult and I imagine if you're the uh, MSP for Caithness and Sutherland with the, mm. the, the you know very long commute every week down to Edinburgh but even for colleagues uh, further west in central Scotland it being a challenge now I'm, I'm very mindful of all of this because I have an eight-month-old baby daughter and mm-hmm. and that's great and I totally acknowledge that the juggling of parental responsibility with working life is something that all parents in Scotland have to have to deal with and so it's come uh, so home to it, rest for you though, well, it's just it? it's just very very real and relevant and I want to be there as much as I can with and for my daughter and, and with and for my wife uh, to be a part of of all of that and so how does one balance all of that well, I've never been elected to the Scottish Parliament, so I say from the outset that I acknowledge that it, it will be a challenge, as mm. is a challenge for all uh, parents. Having said that, uh, living as I do in Edinburgh, the commute uh, from Edinburgh to Edinburgh is what everybody in the city walk. has to do, uh, which is uh, walking uh, or taking the bus. So that, I mean, my commute when I was the MP from Murray to London was five was over five hours door to door. And if I was elected as MSP for Edinburgh Central, I would not have to lose ten hours a week mm. uh, just travelling, which would be ten hours, no doubt, towards um, my work commitments and also my parental commitments as well. So your question was. Uh, about what um, might need to change with the Scottish Parliament. That's the one that's at the forefront of my mind. The rest, I think, I will have to experience. I think the foundations on which it were built, given it's relatively recent, it's a a couple of decades back, I I think the foundations uh, are strong. I think it is a Parliament which is hugely open and accessible for people. I think uh, there is a risk of taking that for granted. Uh, that, That is what we now expect. Well, so we should. Uh, we should expect our parliament, our parliamentarians, our government to be close to the people. And I think that is one of the advantages of living in a smaller country where one does want to know. There are downsides to that, of course. But I think the upsides of being in a smaller country 
uh, is the accessibility, uh, understanding who the decision makers are, influencing the decision making process. And I think Edinburgh Central would do much better to have somebody who has a full-time commitment as opposed to the present time when it doesn't. And I, uh, I, I would be honoured to, to fulfil that responsibility. But I'm cognizant that um, it's a very uh, appealing prospect. And so there are others who would wish to do that too. And they, they'll be setting out their stall as, as would I. And with great humility, any listeners to this podcast who are SNP members who will be able to determine who it is, I would ask them uh, to give me uh, their vote, for which I would be extremely grateful. Well, we've got a couple of hurdles to get over before that and, uh, you know, a bit of a, a trajectory here between now and uh, May 2021. But uh, very much hope that this might not be the last time we interview you. It only be the first, Angus, and uh, wish you well with uh, everything that comes between now and then. But thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks for having me and always, always pleased to come back. Thank you so much for listening to the Edinburgh Reporter podcast. Listen out for more episodes coming soon.